Hey, listener, Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. You can play Pick'em. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower total in each stat for this week's games for a chance to win big. You can actually win up to 100 times your money in a single night. That's right. I didn't say 10. I didn't say 20. Up to 100 times your money. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick them entry. My favorite feature, you can make rivals picks. Hit two players against each other. Wembenyama versus Nikola Jokic. Tim Hardaway Jr. versus Norm Powell. Kawhi Leonard versus Steph Curry. Who knows? Maybe Grayson Allen versus Pat Connaughton. You get where I'm going with that. You can do it all with Underdog Fantasy. Make sure you sign up today with the promo code DING. That's D-I-N-G. And get your first deposit doubled up to $100 as well as an instant Pick'em special. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our promo code DING, D-I-N-G, to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 as well as an instant Pick'em special. Must be 18 or older and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Join us on the Chinwag Podcast every Wednesday where we trade the banal and the boring for the super strange and bizarre. They committed human sacrifice? I did bring up human sacrifice, yes. You sure did. <laughs> that just went by fast. Kind of casually tossed that out. I would like to have an alien uh, hatchet young inside. Holy shit, really? She saw world peace and I saw demons coming out of the wall. I will say that there was a green couch outside of the principal's office and you sat on it if you had lice or if you got in trouble. <laughs> they wake you up from the goo pods to live in reality and you're naked and screaming it's like <laughs> follow us for free on apple podcasts and all major podcast platforms for more information go to chinwagpod.fm and find enlightenment through our instagram or tiktok at chinwagpod or on twitter at chinwag underscore pod oh by the way what an awesome movie oh i don't know if i agree I- I'm I like I'm at the, the stage of like I think we need to fucking suspend the Nicolas Cage movies because what <laughs> this might be worse than knowing. No, there's no way. Dude, I like I just I found myself many many times in the movie say I don't care, like I just don't care. No, I mean knowing the CGI definitely saves it for those <laughs> couple of scenes. It was comedy. It was not at some point. It is no longer. It ceases to be a movie that is dramatic or anything and it's just a full-on comedy one two three four five six seven i'm holding go. a mic in my hands and now i'm talking yeah, all <laughs> We break down the movies you're afraid to admit you love. I'm Zach Harper, joined by Amin Al-Hassan Anthony Mays, producing the show. Uh, today on Cinephobe, this week on Cinephobe, the 2006 thriller and remake of a movie from the 70s, The Wicker Man, stars Nick Cage. 
uh, our beloved Nick Cage. You also might recognize uh, Frances Conroy in the movie. She plays uh, plays a doctor. She's uh, from Six Feet Under and the in the hit the hit movie Catwoman. Uh, also Molly Parker, who's from Deadwood, um, and Lily Sobieski from Joyride and Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, here's the synopsis for Wicker Man. A sheriff investigating the disappearance of a young girl from a small island discovers there's a larger mystery to solve among the island's secretive neo-pagan community. Uh, the tagline for this one, guys, some sacrifices must be made. Now, surprisingly, yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely made a sacrifice when I watched this movie. Oh, wow. I mean, I look. All right. This movie is not as bad as I remembered it. Now, there is an infuriating moment towards the end that, that Maze and I will get into uh, if you watch this one on HBO Go. I will say, surprisingly, this one might be considered a flop because it had a $40 million budget and it only grossed $23 million in the U.S. They spent $40 million to make that? Where? Where did the money go? Well, Nick had to be 15 of it, right? Where'd the other $25 million go? Oh, you got you got an island. You got that plane. <laughs> there's a bear costume involved. There's, oh a lot of, there's a lot of damn bees in this movie. Oh That's some God. CGI, I mean. I didn't see a single bee. I just heard them. Oh, there are bees all over the place. What? Oh, geez. Um, before, before we jump into this movie uh, and you listen to the rest of this podcast, Wicker Man is available on HBO Go, but again... Maze and I will get into that uh, towards the end of why this is a frustrating watch uh, from an HBO Go standpoint. Uh, so, the how's, rot- that, wait, wait, what how's that even possible? The best scene in the movie got cut uh, on HBO Go. Okay, so I, like, okay, I, I wouldn't, yeah, there you go. Yeah, so the Rotten Tomatoes score and review of this one stands at 15% from critics on 107 reviews. The audience, not far off from the critics, 17% from the audience on over 88,000 ratings. Making this our lowest rated movie to date. Which is crazy. It's not the worst movie we've seen. Like, just it's just not, it's not worse than Kangaroo Jack 2. It is. What? It is. <laughs> I, w- I was more riveted in the story in Kangaroo Jack there's, Oh my God, there's no way. There's so much intrigue and mystery in this one. Uh, James Berardinelli from Real Views wrote, despite retaining significant chunks of Schaefer's dialogue to go along with the basic story structure, Laboot has transformed the eerie, disturbing psychological thriller into an unintentional comedy. At times, The Wicker Man is hilariously bad. When this isn't the result of Laboot's ill-advised enhancements to the original tale, it's caused by absurd new lines or Nicolas Cage's bumbling attempts to step into Edward Woodward's shoes. I just don't agree. That's that's pretty accurate. <laughs> what? That's an amazingly accurate review. Probably the most accurate review we've ever read on this show. I oh man. Now I haven't seen the oh, I haven't seen the original. I haven't, I haven't seen the original. I haven't I haven't seen the original. So I, I have nothing to base it off of, other than the idea that yes, it is unintentional humor at its finest, and yes, Nicolas Cage is bumbling for much of this movie. And you I, think we need to put? Wait, is bumbling? Is that a is that a bee pun? Oh no, not the bees! Not the beast! Ah! Just go. Just go. <laughs> I'm so upset that I watched this movie. Um, Maze, what were your thoughts going into this rewatch? Because you've seen it before, right? I've never seen it. Oh, okay. I'd never seen the original, so I had nothing Wait, to compare so how, it to. So, 
So how did you know? How did you know there was a scene that was omitted? I mean, it's it's infamous. There, so there's a Nicolas Cage loses his shit compilation on YouTube that's been around for a few years. That's uh, an absolute classic. scenes they show from that that i was anticipating yeah and one of them wasn't in it and then i kind of knew you can kind of put together the whole story from those two scenes so i knew what was gonna happen and at first my only real thought was the bees are back and bees don't lie so can't be that bad right yeah i mean we had bees and jupiter ascending Jupiter Ascending is a worse movie than this. Jupiter Ascending was pretty bad. Yes, that's true. Yeah. I mean, come on. This is, I just, I don't even I, think it's the worst I, Nick Cage movie we've seen. You no, know, it's it's worse than the other two. It's worse than Knowing and it's worse than, uh, what was the next. one worse? Next. Yeah, it's way worse. Next Next, is not, next kind next, of looks like a great movie. Now like Next is like, yeah. Oh my God. Now Next is like a, a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> that's our Mendoza line. The next that's line. Our- <laughs> Uh, you'll notice a couple of cameos in this movie. Aaron Eckhart at the yeah. beginning. I, and, I, put, uh, I put that in there. I said, yeah, fucking Harvey Dent is in this movie. There you go, Harvey Dent. And then uh, and James Franco's at the end of this movie. James Franco. And you know who the other guy is with James Franco? Oh, Jason, Ritter. Uh, Jason Ritter, yeah. That's John Ritter's son. Oh, really? Yes. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, John Ritter, a.k.a. Gone, Jack Tripper. Gone too soon, I mean. Yeah, always, right? Yeah. All right, so you want to jump into this movie? You want to get this over with? Let's do it. All right. We open up on a diner. Nick Cage is a cop named Edward Malus. Do you want to know how they got the name Malus? Because I got some trivia on that. Oh, please, let me know. Okay. (laughs) This is from IMDb's trivia. Uh, Where is it? It is Nick Cage's uh, character's last name, Malus, is a combination of the words male and phallus. This was done because of the male-female dynamic that was added to the remake. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm going to just like go skip right ahead. There's a scene where there's a, a classroom full of little girls, and they're all... 
<laughs> You're, they're all chanting phallic symbol, phallic symbol, phallic symbol. <laughs> all like right, so, a bunch of 12-year-olds. So Nick Cage is, uh, or Edward Malis, I should say, is thumbing through self-help books at this truck stop diner. Uh, he's he's looking at an audio book called Everything's Okay, Learn How to Develop Courage and Confidence to Realize Your Unlimitless Potential. Okay, let me, let me, let me just say it right now. By the word, un- movie, unlimitless doesn't make any sense. No, that's not a weird real word. But more importantly, I want to point out that this movie is rife with references and things that in regular filmmaking is supposed to foreshadow, like, this is going to come up later. Pay attention to this. And then it never comes up later. Like, we focus on shit that has... Like, who gives a shit about this tape? I disagree. I disagree. It comes back. When he says, did someone take my tapes? Yes. That's but it's it's such a ridiculous... No, it didn't move the plot anywhere. It shows that they went through stuff, I mean. Why did they take the tape? Well, that's a great question. Maybe it's in the deleted scenes. Uh, exactly. So, uh, so, so Edward Malis is a motorcycle cop on the open highway. He's giving out tickets. He's looking at the countryside. He notices a doll falls out of the window of a car. He scoops it up without slowing down, which was yes. a phenomenal move. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> why? Sorry, I've been going sixty miles an hour. Look, why? Slow <laughs> down. Pick it up. Why? <laughs> He pulls the car over. He returns the doll to this very creepy girl. She throws it out the window again. Nick Cage goes over to pick it up, and a semi-truck plows into the car. Why? Head on, and it catches on fire. He tries to pull the little girl out, who's very conscious, by the way. And very, like, calm about the whole thing. Yeah, like, just very calm about look, the whole looking thing. Looking back at him. Um, as he breaks the window, he's trying to pull her out. An explosion happens. It, it knocks him aside. He's remarkably unscathed. By unscathed. No one's scathed in this whole thing. We get the title scene. Can I ask a question about this? Sure. So, yeah. I don't know if this is skipping too far ahead, but are, are, did this happen? Or was this like a vision that he had? Oh, I'm so glad because, you asked that, that Because the, gr- the girl looks like like every girl in the movie. They look like they're from Summer Isle. They say that the bodies are never found. Yeah, they never... Oh, it's like, why? What and then he has, like, visions of this all the time well, afterwards. I thought, I thought it was I thought it was a nightmare. I thought, it was, like, obviously you see people die in front of you. That's got to fuck you up. That's what I thought. But then I'm like, why did they do this whole, like, the bodies are never found thing where they added this mystery element to that incident that they never then pick up back again? They I never... disagree. I think it comes back. When? Look, well, I mean, at the end. No. After the whole movie, I'm leaning towards this didn't happen. What? It absolutely happened. Who was the mom and daughter, and why was the car unregistered, and what happened to the bot? Like, it was just mad. I, like, I got answers for you. Oh, I got God. answers for you. <laughs> How do we? Hold on. Why did they not recover the body when the shit happened right there? Well, he was knocked out. What? And he woke up, and then everything was. <laughs> they have a cleaner. The Summer Isle has a cleaner that came in and wiped the scene clean. Yeah, Harvey Keitel. It's probably the trucking company. If we're really getting into the conspiracy of it all. <laughs> yeah. Also, the truck. The tr- I guess the truck was supposed to be swerving to avoid him. Okay. And obliterates this thing, but then just kind of drives. We don't know what's up with the trucker. Yeah, you didn't really nothing. see the truck at any point anymore. Kind of just drove off. Real hit and run. That's why I think this was all uh, his his imagination or his vision that he had. Do you think it's a Jacob's Ladder scenario? I think that he came to the island for a reason. <laughs> oh. 
Right. So we go to his house after this after this title scene. Uh, a female cop comes over to bring him mail and congratulate him on his uh, on his accommodation. Uh, asks if he's going to retire. He says his dad would kill him if he retired. There's Again, like all, all this extra like shit that in the moment and then never is explored ever again. Uh, as we learn, the car wasn't registered, uh, and they don't know who the people were in the car. Uh, but he gets a letter in some of this mail. He gets a letter from a woman named Willow about a missing child. It's got a photo attached. She says she's she's living in Summer's Isle in the Puget Sound, uh, to which he starts researching Summer's Isle, which he finds out on healthfoodmetropolis.com, where you can where you can get bee, bee material from there. You can get bee products. Uh, we find out that Willow is his former fiance who took off on him and he decides he's going to go investigate this missing child. He takes a ferry over to Summer's Isle, uh, or I guess he takes a ferry to somewhere where he can then reach Summer's Isle from. And, uh, and he's putting on aftershave on the boat. Do you guys notice that he's wearing a suit? He's sitting at a table inside the ferry. He's put on aftershave. I thought that was cologne, but yeah, he did. Yeah. I remember that. Oh, was it? Oh, maybe it was cologne. Okay. It looked like aqua belva. Yeah. This is my note. On all this, I said, "What the fuck is he wearing?" <laughs> he is, he is wearing, wearing a suit, a, a suit, vest, a suit, a sweater, a tie, and some Columbia boots. Yeah, and some like carpenter jeans. Look, man, he's a, he's just an honest sheriff, just trying to put together a nice appearance as he goes gets, and investigates gets, this missing child. Gets to this area. Apparently, this this island is only accessible by plane. No, well, hold on, hold on. I mean, we got okay. our first, we got our first hallucination. He sees a girl in a red sweater. That looks a lot like the girl in the picture. Sees a girl in the red sweater on the on the deck of the ferry. Right. All of a sudden, semi truck hits her. Oh yeah, that's right. on the on the on, on the, the ferry. ferry on the deck of the ferry. <laughs> that might that CGI might have been some of that uh, that forty million dollar budget right there. And so uh, and so we get we get to a place. He he gets off the ferry. He walks over to a um, a pilot on like a seaplane. And he yes. says, Ahoy there. Who's that? Uh, I don't know what you're supposed to say. No, just go with hello. Right. Hello. It's almost like the guy was ad-libbing the fucking dialogue, right? <laughs> like the guy was ad-libbing, but was like, I don't think the script makes any sense. It reminded me of, I am the son of a pastor. Right. <laughs> Great line from knowing. That's a good call back there. Uh, so he, he realized he needs to catch a plane ride over to the island. The pilot won't do it because he says it's a private place and they respect their privacy. He then bribes him with two $50 bills and it works. That's a hundred bucks. That's all it took. Like the, all dude, it took? the dude made it seem like that island is cursed and though I can't do that shit. And like this shit, they're going to get my ass. And then he says, well, oh, what about if you take me and my two friends, Ulysses and his twin brother, Mr. Grant? Who carries 50s on him? <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, all he packed for this trip was a laptop bag. Right. Yeah. He's what if I thought like, it was a quick turnaround? He's a good detective. He's not. That's the other thing. It's like <laughs> this whole movie. Like, by the way, he's in California because when he's talking to his, his friend, his buddy cop or whatever. Yeah. The map behind them was like the San Luis Obispo. Yeah. Area. And they mentioned they mention often like he's from California. And so this motherfucker spends this whole movie up in Washington. Yeah. Like flexing, like this is an investigation. Like, motherfucker, you have no jurisdiction here. <laughs> and he's throwing that badge in everyone's face, yeah. flashing that. Oh, badge. oh man, 
Yeah. So he gets he gets the plane ride. He's trekking through a forest. He's trekking through hills. Um, an older woman stops him, tells him it's a it's private property. He can't be there. He says oh, he's a cop and he was invited over. He shows him the missing picture or the picture of the missing girl, and they all like look away and say they haven't seen her. Mystery. I mean, hold on. So like they're carrying a bag that clearly has something alive in there. Oh really. yeah, there are two guy two guys carrying a, a burlap sack essentially, right? And and it's it's dripping blood. Right. And so so the woman says, oh, you keep staring at it. I want you to take a peek. And then he starts to open the bag, and then I can't remember. He gets startled. Yeah, they like, they, like, they, like, rattle the bag in his face as he gets closer to it. And then he never looks in the bag. Never looks in the bag. But I mean, you're a fucking cop, and <laughs> something is wriggling and bleeding. Well, to be fair, he doesn't have jurisdiction. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, he never sees what's in there, but he goes up to the lodge to find Willow, the woman who wrote him the letter. Uh, he walks into the lodge, and it's all women in there, and he says, Must be a ladies night. <laughs> I like that line. That's a good line. I like that line. Um, he walks over to uh, he walks over to the barmaiden and says he's looking for a room and a meal. He says, can you swing it? And she says, swing it? Is, Is that, that some, kind some of sort of city talk? talk? <laughs> and at that point, I wrote the note, Is this like the village without the twist? <laughs> You guys remember the oh, M. Night Shyamalan movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember. I hate that movie. Oh, I hated that movie. So this is so now Willow gets introduced, played by Kate Behan. She's in uh, she's in one of the Matrix movies. She's in Flight Plan. Flight Plan might be a good movie for this podcast. Yeah, Jodie Foster? Yeah, that's a real bad movie. Uh, so Willow comes in. She clears up the the confusing city city speak, uh, city talk, and... <laughs> And uh, and then and so Cage. By the way, I, I wrote the note. This woman looks. I said, "Is that Kathleen Turner?" Wow, for the for the barmaid. Yes. Oh, the, okay. The sassy one that he later. Spoiler: He later punches in the face. <laughs> Which is a great scene. Yeah. <laughs> a great scene. That's, that's literally when it all started to like just fucking unravel for me. <laughs> so uh, so he he mansplains that missing children are a big deal. To this barmaiden, then he kills a bee with a cup. She gives and him like some kind of special honey would, drink or something. Why would you do that? Yeah, she gives him mead. Have you guys ever had mead? No, I don't like know at the Renaissance, Renaissance. Like, oh, festival. is that what that is? Yeah, I went to a Renaissance fair in high school once with my girlfriend at the time. Hated it. It's like incredibly sweet wine, and it's okay. Really, you can't drink a lot of it. And I was friends with this guy who worked for a meadery. So he would always roll up to <laughs> gatherings with like <laughs> cases of mead and be like, yo, yeah. you guys want some meat? And I'm, <laughs> you know, the first time I tried it, I'm like, okay, cool. No. <laughs> and then he's still trying to, he's just trying to move it. He's trying to hand out bottles to people who can't get rid of that stuff. So yeah, she asked, why would you do that? And he, he lets us know he's allergic to bees. Ooh, there's a layer there. I mean. I, I, honestly, I did not know it was a bee that he killed. I just thought he killed a random insect because they didn't make it. To me, they didn't make it clear. <laughs> okay. He's allergic to bees, and he only rolls in with two EpiPens, and he, he knows that it's like a bee colony because yeah. it's on the website that he looked at. Right, they have bee products. Isn't bee allergies like death? That's what my girl taught us. I thought that I thought if you were <laughs> allergic to bees, it's it's not like a casual allergy. Yeah, that means like you, you, know, you could die if you get stung by a bee. Right. And he seemed very. I mean, maybe he was lying. I don't know. Well, no, he has a reaction later. Spoiler alert. Um, I did notice that. 
but maybe that was when I literally stopped caring about this movie. So uh, he's now talking to Willow as she helps him to the room. Uh, he's wondering why he never got his ring back. She explains that she ran away from him because she, she got scared. Well, well, first, when I, she's at the room, she passes him a note letting him know that she can't talk. Yeah. And they have to go to a different rendezvous point to talk because she's being watched here. To which I said, if they're watching you there and they clearly don't like this dude, wouldn't they just follow them? Like, what, what secret rendezvous point could there be where no one could find them? Maybe it's outside their jurisdiction on the island. Yeah. You never know. She only trusts him to find the missing daughter, um, says the girl's been taken and that they're going to try to mislead him with all the information they give. Uh, then there's, there's these creepy blind women. Will Sister Summer's Isle bless us with her presence? I'm afraid not. Enjoy the night. Only make sure you're ready for the day of tomorrow. The time of death and rebirth. Yes. Of the Wicker Man's return. I wrote a note. These two women look like Quagmire. And they look like Blue from old school to me. Okay, also that. Sure. <laughs> so that's when we find out. Nick Cage comes across Lily Sobieski, and uh, we find out that he's missing his tapes from Everything's Okay. So he did buy it. <laughs> Why? Uh, he has a dream about the little girl getting destroyed by the truck over and over. Uh, he's on a very tiny bed. Um, and, and then he wakes up in the night and he, he hears a, he hears a girl, he hears a young girl. And so he starts chasing her into the forest. Well, first of all, he sees, he sees, hears a young girl, see, looks out the window, sees a young girl running and right. yelling help or something like that. And then he takes the time to get dressed because well, he's, yeah. he's in his underwear in the, when he's looking out the window, by the time he's outside, well, we've got a jacket, pants, shoes. I'm right. like, yeah, okay. Clearly someone's, someone's in danger, but cop man over here I, got, I have to dress warm because that's how you catch a cold and then the other thing was he's running out there with a flashlight and I'm, i said wait did he pack a flashlight or did they just have one in the room do these people believe in electricity or not like because it, it's sometimes it's like they they live in like an amish community right. and then sometimes they just have things that are you know <laughs> Like, again, like, he has a flashlight, and right. uh, there's a photographer, a town photographer. Would, just... would you have been, been happier if he had a torch? Yes, a lantern. Okay. I, I would have been like, okay, at least we're, we're sticking with this theme. We're a little consistent here? Okay. All right, that's fair. Uh, he finds this old barn, starts searching the barn. He goes upstairs to the barn. He finds, like, a harvest of some sort. He finds uh, the sweater, the red sweater. Um, and then he falls, he nearly falls through the floor. And, uh, of the top floor of the barn, but he managed to pull himself back up. And I did write, to be fair, I mean, I did write, is there a payoff there to this thing? No, no, there isn't. Unnecessary. Everything is unnecessary about this movie. Everything in this movie is unnecessary. My question was, would pigeons exist on an island like this? That's a good question. I don't know the, the flight patterns of pigeons, so I can't answer this. I feel like it's possible, but it, I think it should have been another bird. Yeah, maybe like a seagull or something like that? A seahawk? Something brown? I don't know. Or a crow, like the one that was trapped yeah. in the desk for no fucking reason. Again, <laughs> we'll another to- thing they just did just to do. <laughs> we'll get to that. All right. Uh, so the next morning, uh, Lily Sobieski mentions they don't have any royal honey for, royal honey for him, for his, uh, his so drinkers. They, so they got him store-bought honey. Yes, they got him store-bought honey because the where, crop was cursed last year, I mean. What, what, where the fuck did they buy the store Maybe that's what honey. the pilot's bringing in. 
honey, that's all. Again, like, this is where we draw the line on fucking, uh, on, on goddamn, like, this olden times way of living. Uh, like, okay, we, it's olden times, except for when we run out of honey, we'll go get honey. And then he doesn't even want the store-bought honey. So, go, so the then they, they go get him fucking, like, sweet low. I'm right. like, what, what are we doing here? Right. Y'all just have sweet low around? Oh, uh, again, the pilot bringing it in. Cage finds pictures on the wall of all these of all these young girls from festivals of the harvest. Uh, but last year's picture is missing. It got broken the night before, and the picture's missing. Oddly enough, as he's looking at this stuff, Lily Sobieski basically like begs him to take her with her, or take her with him. Yeah, and she's wearing makeup. Yeah, like, she's, she's wearing a lot of makeup. I'm like, wait a second. Wait again. Is is this the village or not? Are we doing the fucking 1800s wow. or whatever? Like, are we living like the Puritans or? Are we going to the Mac store? I got a theory on this. Well, we find out later. She might be. She might be a part of this whole, or she is a part of this. Right? Yes. At the end of the movie, yes. So she's there to entice him. So she, yes, Yes, she's the bait. She is the bait. I also said she's trying to suck your dick, bro. (laughs) 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 That's not a very Puritan way of living. (laughs) I'm just saying. Uh, Puritans need to suck dick too. So now he goes up to, he walks up to the school where you mentioned there, um, there are all these. Uh, it's nothing but girls in the school, young girls. A lot of twins in there. Yeah, a lot of twins on this whole island. Yes. Yeah, the whole island. A lot of twins. And when he walks in, the 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 girls are chanting phallic symbol, phallic symbol. Yeah. The, the question, the funny thing, the question was. Yeah. Was the question the, is, what is man in, in its purest form? Yeah. And so I, I was, I thought it was like a philosophy class. And it was like, they're talking about like mankind or whatever. And I thought, at first I was like, that's a really deep question for, again, what looks like 10 year olds. But like, I was like, you know, like the, 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 the pursuit of knowledge and happiness and some shit like that. And they literally all just start chanting. And by the way, there's a lot of lines in this movie that are delivered in unison. Yeah. Like, have you noticed that? A lot like, of chanting in this movie. A lot of, ch- not, not even chanting, just like, just they say shit all at the same time. But yes, they're all, all. Imagine a bunch of little girls all chanting, "Phallic symbol, phallic symbol, phallic." Powerful scene. I was worried that the fucking like FBI cri- child crimes unit was gonna barge in and <laughs> see what the fuck I'm watching. So uh, the teacher says that Nick Cage frightened the class. The class claims to not know of of Rowan, the missing girl, as he passes a picture around. Um, Cage uh, Cage notices an empty desk. He walks over the empty desk. He opens it up, and a crow flies out of it. A crow flies out of it, and the little girls say, we wanted to see how long it would last in there. Yeah. It's super creepy. It's real creepy. The other thing, again, going back to this, uh, like, they all claim they've never heard of this girl. Yeah. He then demands to see the, the attendance book. Yeah. He puts up a fight, a very lame fight, I might Yeah. Add. He grabs the attendance book, looks through it, and... Her name's right there, and it's crossed out. It's crossed out with one line. <laughs> oh my god! And so he goes. He goes to the girls. You're all liars. Yeah, you little liars. Like just. And but, but they do a really good job. He's like staring at him, like he's crazy. Yeah. And then the other the other part of it it's is good he, he he asks he asks oh my god he asks the teacher what her name is. Yeah. And I quote and I quote. Of course, Rose, another plant. And at that point, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, and I had, to, <laughs> I had to go back and, like, check what everyone's name was. Yeah, it's a lot of plants, a lot of trees and plants and flowers as names, but they don't really set that up well. 
I'll let you. Uh, like, I'll give you that. But, oh, by the way, when he uncovers that that you know Rowan was in the class, he says, she says to him, "You're late, and the law won't help you at, with that." Like, what the fuck does that mean? That's a good question. A lot of mystery. The next line in my notes: What the fuck is this movie about, man? <laughs> So Sister Rose says it was an accident what happened to Rowan. Her body is buried in the earth now. She was burned to death, according to Rose. Rose uh, has someone working the field. Nick Cage goes and finds her grave, but Willow shows up and says the body isn't her. Willow takes him to a crypt that's in ruins, and she says that Rowan is still alive, and they've been lying to him this whole time, says that they'll hurt her or murder her. Uh, It's why she once ran away. Uh, They didn't like Willow's wild ways. This is also when it's confirmed that it is actually Nick Cage's daughter. Because theoretically, this whole time, we didn't know that. Yeah, that's the twist. That's one of many twists in this movie. Uh, Well, like three twists. But here's what I wrote. She reveals that Rowan is his daughter, all caps, twist. And then he's acting his ass off right now. (laughs) I thought he did a phenomenal job in the scene. So this is is my question as I'm watching this, right? I'm saying... Why did it take, like, literally an hour into the movie for her to start explaining to him the circumstances of her disappearance? Like, she gives him zero detail this whole time. It's all, like, cryptic uh, kind of double speak about the community. I'm like, bitch, tell me about what happened. Where was she when you last saw her? You would think think a detective would do that. Yeah, a cop would ask these kind of questions. But no, no. Um, so yeah, we find that out. He wants to know about the sister summer summer's Isle. So the place is called summer's Isle, but there's a, there's a woman there named sister summer's Isle. Willow takes Ro- takes Nick Cage back to Rowan's old room. And, uh, and says that all of her things were missing one day. She like, she went away to the market for 30 minutes, came back. Rowan's gone. All of her things are gone. Uh, mentions that Dr. Moss is the only one that takes photos on the Island. Uh, he looks under Rowan's desk and sees all these drawings with help me written in the drawings. That's not really paid off either. No, well, then we know she was, she, we know she was under duress guys. Mm-hmm. Am I the only one connecting mm-hmm. dots here? But also the, the mom seemed very unfazed by that, that piece of information. Well, it's been a while. Maybe she's seen the desk. Uh, she, you know, but even if she had seen, she's just like, yeah, she just likes to draw. Like she like really dismissed <laughs> the shit out of like something that's, that's very, very uh, concerning. Uh, so now this is, oh man, this is where we get into it. Uh, so now Nick Cage needs to go use the radio from the delivery plane because his cell phone doesn't work there. There's no service on the island. Uh, so while he's, he goes down to the dock where the plane had landed, um, he sees the plane is off the dock. It's off in the water somewhere. Um, so he can't really reach it. Uh, he hears a noise under the dock. He thinks he sees Rowan. He jumps in. Epic dive off the pier right there. Epic dive off the pier. Uh, jumps in. Sees that it or wakes up, wakes up uh, on the on the dock. So clearly, this was a dream that where he heard the heard Rowan and went and saved her. But then, as he wakes up, he looks down in his arms. Rowan's there. Two there dreams, go. guys. Inception. Inception. By the way, a couple couple of notes here that I put. One is white people love names that can either be a boy or a girl's name. Okay, yeah, said, Rowan's good. But but never knew Rowan was one of those. Oh, well, I Rowan Atkinson. I know. I never knew there was a girl could, could be named Rowan. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, I, don't, I, I guess I don't know of any. I know a female Rowan. I know a Rowan. A Rowan no. R A W A N. No, that's different. That's, that's okay. an Arabic name. Like, yeah, no, it this is. is Rowan. 
This is Rowan, like Rowan Barrett or Rowan Barrett Jr., if you're into that sort of thing, R.J. Barrett. Um, uh, the other thing I said was, when he sees what he thinks is a little girl under the water, he undresses super slowly and very methodically. Like, he's like, wait, I can't get these. Well, it's his only clothes he packed. I mean, I'm just, exactly, right? Like the suit that he wears, he insists on wearing everywhere. When does the dream start? Is it with the plane? Because he doesn't go to sleep or anything, right? Well, may, well, he sits down on the dock waiting for the plane, right? Or waiting for the pilot to come back. Waiting Maybe he just pilot, falls asleep yeah. when he's sitting on the dock. So, okay, so the dream starts on the dock. Yeah, that's what also, I think. So, also... I mean, spoiler alert. It turns out that the, the whole thing is a setup, but, like, how did they know that he was going to have these hallucinations? Well, she does know him. She knows him pretty well. It's Willow. They were, they were engaged, I mean. So she knows he has hallucinations? Has this always maybe. been... This, this a, has been happening his whole life. It's another you're mystery. Saying maybe, you're saying maybe because you're filling in, like, blanks that they <laughs> both created and re- re- neglected to... Like, that's one thing. It's, like, it's one thing was, like, they're bl- you know you neglected to fill in these blanks, but when you are the one who created the blanks in the first place, it does seem like a curious well, decision. Like, but it, maybe it's, maybe it's just a, a thought mover. Well, when you're writing a movie and you want your character to have hallucinations, do you have to? Do they have to have a, an explanation or a source? Can't like isn't that the whole point? It's clearly, some drama yes. there. It's got to be like Shutter Island where they're making him take pills, and that's why he's having these hallucinations. Because, yeah, it, it is just connecting know. the dots, and I'm just going to say that he has these hallucinations because he's being drawn to the island. But that's all me doing the work. Well, maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's it's there to make you think. That's what I'm in on that this makes, movie makes so you think this movie's terrible. All right. <laughs> now he dives into the water for real. He swims over to the plane. The radio has been destroyed. So he can't radio for help. He can't radio to get anybody. Uh, that radio is just completely dismantled. So... He go. We now find him going to Doctor Mosk, or Doctor Moss, uh, to ask about pictures. He finds a book of ancient rituals. Doctor Moss says she can get him a copy of the missing photo from the festival because uh, she's got a negative. She can print him out a new one. Um, and then he he says he's got to leave. He hides in the bushes as two women, little hands made tailish. Uh, two women in beekeeper costumes, red beekeeper costumes, come and take uh, Dr. Moss away. He breaks back into the office. He looks at the letter from the ancient rituals. It's about for the fertility ritual, which they're very secretive about. And then he walked into another room where there are a bunch of fetuses. Feti? Feti in a jar. Feti in jars all over the room. Uh, finds, a, finds the picture of Rowan from the festival, uh, and on the picture it says it was the worst harvest on record. Uh, fast forward to he, he and Willow are now, uh, back together and they start making out a little bit. This was a weird makeout sesh. Yeah. Weird makeout sesh felt a little forced into the movie. Not really set up too much. Uh, now, and then he's on a bicycle. Um, he stops on the bicycle to help these men, uh, load logs onto a truck. And then the logs start falling. He pulls one of the guys out of the way. Just like next. Just like next. Oh, good callback. Uh, call forward. Well, I guess he saw it coming. Um, and then, and the man doesn't talk at all, which Nick Cage makes note of. He he walks the bike away, uh, rides it, and uh, I put a note. I could watch him ride a bike all day. It was a very calming experience to watch him ride bikes. Anybody else get that now, feeling? Was this was, was this before or after he took the bike from from a girl? Oh, he did. St- is that when he stole the bike from? I can't. Or remember. is that later? I think that's later. 
he bumps into a beehive and, and freaks out about the bees. And then he runs into a field of beehives and they're attacking him. He's freaking out. He trips, he rolls down a hill The allergies are hitting. Uh, he's having more hallucinations left and right. Uh, and I wrote hallucinations are the new montage. Uh-huh. <laughs> I felt like we had a lot of montages in the last movie. Yes, we did. And now we're all about hallucinations. Uh, he wakes up in a bed with Dr. Moss looking over him in the home of Sister Summer, Summer's Isle. Uh, and he finally gets to meet Sister Summer's Isle. Who is remarkably a lot younger than I would think for someone who runs a community that is named after them. Right. It's Ellen Burstyn. I mean, she's in yeah. Requiem for a she's Dream. A she's yeah. in a lot of stuff. Um, fantastic actress. They're only the best for this movie, I would say. And they brought her in to just explain everything, <laughs> do all the exposition. Yeah, to explain everything. So all she does is just nothing but exposition. Her name should have been Sister Exposition. Uh, because uh, she says that Willow sees uh, rough potential in him. Um, he wants the body of the gra- of the girl in the grave. He wants to exhume the body. Um, she says she's... Yeah, wants to do the autopsy. Summer's Isle says she's not worried about foul play. Uh, says that they don't she's believe in murder. Yeah, they don't believe in murder. And then she says she's an earthly rep of the great mother goddess. And we find out they may have been descendants from the Salem witch trials. Is that what they alluded to? Well, it starts, they said, they referenced the, the original movie, which was set in Scotland. So they say that they used to be Celtic ancestry. And then they went to Salem, and then they went to Summer's Isle. So it's saying that they did all of that, which, okay, whatever. But they're trying to get away from the pioneers, right? And that they're not subservient to men. They only need men for breeding. Men are what? Second-class citizens? No, not at all. We love our men. We're just not subservient to them. The men are a very important part of our little colony. <laughs> breeding, you know. Quite a little racket you've got going for yourself here. Breeding? Sounds like inbreeding to me. Oh, my God, what a line. <laughs> what a line. Uh, she gives him permission to search the grave. Um, and she's just she's just belittling him left and right. Like, she really has no respect for men. It's a real, it's a real you know, turn of, of roles here. Gender di- dynamics. I mean, uh, I, I was going to wait until we were done recapping the movie to point out that this movie was probably the most incredibly misogynistic movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the whole movie is just basically, watch out for these women. Watch out for they, these crazy women. Don't let they, them get in power. Yeah. They're going to have us being a bunch of deaf mute, <laughs> like, <laughs> pack animals. So uh, he's digging up the grave in a suit. He's wearing the hell out of the suit. Uh, uh, class he, it up, man. Yeah, he digs up the grave. He finds that there's just a burned doll in there. Uh, here's a child crying, searches for her in the ruins of the crypt. He opens the crypt. He walks down the the, the stairs. He finds the sweater that uh, Willow made for Rowan in the water, dives into the water, and then someone closes the hatch on him. He's trapped. He's hallucinating. Uh, Willow comes and finds him in the morning, so he's been there all how much, night. How much later? Yeah, I'm going to say how much later. All night. Uh, she untraps him. Uh, I wrote this suit has held up pretty well. It's a really well made suit well, with took, all the he stuff. Took he, it, he, took, he took it off. Yeah, he took and it off he, to dive in. And so when he comes back out, it's nice and dry. Yeah. Um, he shows the Willow the doll and just repeats over and over again how did it get burned? It's hers. 
Kill me! I, yes, I, I think it's, yeah. How'd it get burned? How'd it get burned? How'd it get burned? How'd it get burned? I don't know! How'd it get burned? How'd it get burned? It's art. Really some masterful editing. Uh, it's from like a decade ago. It's from a while ago. So we get that, the how did it get burned? Uh, that's a classic scene. She doesn't know. He says he can feel that something bad is about to happen. Says to lock herself in the house. And he goes to find Summer's Isle. He's fed up. And while while searching through the house, he finds this. Uh, what I wrote is a disgusting old man in a bed. Uh, he yes. finds. He what finds was a, that about? I was yeah. like, that's who, that's who they're breeding. <laughs> so they're breeding with. Uh, he finds a girl. He finds a girl covered in bees and a chair in one of the rooms. I thought that was uh, what's her name. That was makeup girl. Oh, Lily Sabisky. I don't. Was that her? I don't think so. I think it was a random new, kind of older woman. I guess they all look the same to me. They do. But those two things, it's like, I guess this is supposed to be scary. It's weird imagery. Yeah. But why? Uh, it's, a, it's a thriller. It's a thriller. And then he doesn't find Sister Summer's Isle, even though she's in the house with a, a couple people. Yeah. Oh, this is where he, so, so this is where he takes the bike. So Rose rolls up on him uh, wearing a crow's mask saying that they're preparing for death and rebirth, which is a callback to the Quagmire ladies. He pulls his gun on her, says to get off the bike. He commandeers the bike, starts riding it. He runs into those creepy they, women. Every, everyone he runs into is wearing a mask. He commands them to take off the mask. Right. Um, he comes across these men, asks for their help. Uh, they don't respond because they can't talk. Uh, he finds a mother and a daughter. He searches their home. He, uh, a girl is in a closet and scares the hell out of him, and they just start laughing at him hysterically uh, a lot of creepy masks for kids he's kicking indoors he's searching every home he can he says he's, he's searching this entire island before this ceremony uh he does find the pilot dead there the eyes have been gouged out of the pilot and his mouth is sewn shut yes this whole time girls are, are spying on him while wearing masks uh and this is um this is where he knocks out the bar maiden kathleen turner kathleen turner fake kathleen turner uh, she's she's there. She's got a bear costume. Uh, he knocks her out. Summer's Isle says they're throwing the ritual, asking for acceptance of the offering. Cage gets attacked by a uh, makeup girl, Lily Sabisky, while yeah. trying to put on the bear he, costume. He kicks he her into her a up. wall. He fucks this her is up. a misogynistic and movie. He's saying, beating like, the shit out of women. He beats like the whole, like at this stage of the movie. Yeah, he's that's fed right. up. He's like, all right, I'm just gonna start overpowering these he's women. Out here beating their ass like. Yeah, like, I'm laughing like my ass I turn though. I I am too. But I'm like this. Like this movie is like again. It's, it's like. It's the guy who made it was like, I'm sick and tired of these women. That's that's all I, right. all I can think of. <laughs> I, I just imagine his daughter came home from a semester at college just fully feminist. And he just was like, all right, I'm writing a movie. I can't handle this. That's what it feels like. Uh, he puts on the bear costume. He crashes the ritual. Uh, Willow's there. He See, lets Willow know it's him. Yeah, and then it's like, I thought I was exposed. I thought, I, yeah, first of all, his face is fully exposed. It's just like a bear hoodie, really. But then the other thing is he says to her, I thought I told you to stay in the house. And she says, I had to come. And I was like, really? What the? They would have known him, mean? Well, I'm just like, well, how does that make sense? I, oh, I had to come. I, like, it was like he told her to stay home, but she said, but this is the biggest party of the year, man. Like, I'm missing this shit. 
fucking Drake is performing. And so uh, we see Rowan is alive and she's tied to a tree. They're going to burn her alive. This is when, and this is a classic scene uh, you'll find into in a lot of Nick Cage compilations on YouTube. He runs up to this woman who's essentially guarding Rowan tied to a tree. He's wearing the bear costume and he clocks this woman. He just fucks her up. <laughs> just fucks her up while wearing a bear costume. Uh, he grabs... <laughs> He grabs Rowan. He runs away with her. They're being chased. His cell phone starts working briefly, uh, but then it dies. The cell service runs out again. That was so stupid. It didn't really pay off. Why? Yeah. For no reason. It it rings, but then there's immediately no service. Yeah, it's like a brief moment of hope, right? Well, also, also, it rings for quite a while because he can't reach it because he's wearing his bear costume. And so... uh, Rowan runs him uh, into this group with Willow. She was the bait for Nick Cage this whole time. He's got an appointment with the Wicker Man. We find out this whole thing was a setup. Twist. As a twist, we find out that Willow is Summer's Isle's daughter. This has been set up for years. The woman cop from earlier in the movie, she's there. Oh, is she? The woman and the kid in the car, they're alive. They're okay. there. Yes. Oh, I didn't notice any of this. It paid off. Wait, he what? goes to shoot. Yeah. Oh. I'm telling you, they're all at the ceremony. They all have the same hair. You are you're a hundred percent positive. And I've seen this movie. Okay. All right. I, I, trust me, I know. So so once again, how did they how did they get out of the exploding car? Does not matter? That's a great question. I don't know that it matters. I don't know that it matters, but they're all there. He, they're all converging on him. The men are converging on him, uh, and he pulls out his gun. Gun's got no bullets. Tries to fight his way out. He's overpowered by them, and this is, God damn it, this is where the scene gets cut. I mean, this, I mean it is the best scene in the movie, and all they do in the unrated or in the rated version that's on HBO Go is they just do some voiceover work, and you don't really see anything. But you mean you mean hold on you mean the part where it, it where he's calling them bitches bitches yes <laughs> yeah. I miss his mother it's like like he's calling them so he's calling he's calling bitches he says this is murder killing me won't bring back your goddamn honey no but like, the best one is first of all he's saying this is murder as if like. He, he's holding them to that standard they said earlier. They don't believe in murder. Right. Hey guys, this is murder. Like, what? It is? Oh, shit, bring him down. My bad. I didn't know that was murder this whole time. But yeah. Then, then there's a part where they break his legs. And, yes. And, and he says, oh, my <laughs> Oh, so, all right, in the deleted scene, they they have his legs, like, on these logs, and they're holding him down, and they they just take a sledgehammer to one of his kneecaps. <laughs> but, but but here's the thing: this completely is I, caves his legs. Everything everything about this, where he's screaming and he's yelling about his legs, I said, you know what this is? This is Ahmed from Austin Powers. <laughs> I'm very badly burnt, and my legs are both broken. <laughs> that's so, why. That's why so, I was laughing. Yeah, when they break his kneecap, that's when he says it's not going to bring back their honey. Uh, he says he's not one of them. He doesn't believe in their gods. Yeah, he's, uh, like, he's, he's, he's got a lot of, like, 
He's very wordy for someone very, who's in yeah, incredible for, pain. For someone's being tortured. He's he's very wordy. Uh, and this is, I mean, this is the most iconic scene. I can't believe it's in only in the unrated version. But they put a mask on him with a funnel, a beekeeper's mask, and they pour bees into the mask. Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! It is an iconic Cage losing his shit moment. I, 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 I kind of like the idea that all this was cut out and it was just voiceover because... Him saying all this stuff was so funny. Because I'm just, that's when I was laughing. Like this is comedy. This when he starts calling them, when he starts calling them bitches, I just lost it. <laughs> <laughs> you bitches! Like I just lost it. Like it is. Oh my god! And so then Doctor Moss shoots him up with the epipen. She saves his life just by shooting him up with the epipen. Um, he's strung up in the wicker man. Uh, Rowan comes over and lights it on fire. I write once again. He's acting his ass off. He's yelling at her, don't do it. Like, yeah, man, I believed it. I believed he was about to get burned. Like, he, he's acting his ass off in this movie. How do you guys not uh, see this? Yeah. Oh, man, they cook his ass. Uh, he burns to death. We go to six months later. We're back in the city. Ep- epilogue. Epilogue. James Franco. James Franco's at a bar with uh, with who, who, the Ritter kid. John, John Ritter's son. John Ritter's Why kid. is Franco in this movie? It's a great question. Uh, they can't find it, any women. They're trying to. They're trying to figure out which women they can take home and talk to. There are no women there. So then he, then Franco, James Franco, spots Willow and Lily Sabisky. They're there. I, you know, it took me a while to figure out that was Willow. Oh really? Well, she yeah, yeah she does she look looks younger. Made up. Yeah, she looks younger, a little made up. Um, he mentions that he's just graduated from the police academy, um, and you hear bees in the background. I don't know if you picked up on that. They're bees yes, in the background. Yes. And Lily Savisky says uh, uh, that no matter what, she's got to take him home or take her to his apartment that night. And no, I was like, yo, yo, uh, what, what are you doing after this? I'm going back home to my apartment. It's like, I don't know what if I came with you or like some dumbass. Yeah. Um, and then it says for Johnny Ramone and then the credits That's, roll. I put that, yeah. Johnny Ramone. That's the, I was like, that's the movie. It was so, the end of the movie was so random between the Ahmed from... Uh, Austin Powers shit to James Franco being in the movie to Johnny Ramone being in the dedication. Like, I was just so confused. I was like, was this, was this basically like the disaster artist or what was the name of it? <laughs> yeah, disaster artist. Yeah, like that, that's what I thought I just watched. At that point. Um, so, so yeah, oh man, I mean, you've got to watch the, the deleted scene. It, it really is like iconic movie history. Ow, my legs. Yeah, <laughs> you bitches. This is murder. <laughs> so you'll you'll know you'll uh, this might surprise you. This movie was not screened for critics at all. I not a single what. critic was able to screen this movie. <laughs> That's probably why Tony Medley didn't see it. That's why to- there is no Tony Medley review. I do have a I do have uh, an alternate for for us. So don't worry. I brought Tony Medley okay. into this. Um, but so the reason this was this was. Uh, this scene was cut. The movie was originally rated R for extreme violence, disturbing images, uh, language, and thematic elements. But the director wanted a broader audience, so he cut out. Uh, he cut most of the scenes out with any violence. Um, some of which have been included in the unrated version of the DVD to deem it PG-13. So he cuts out the best parts of this movie just to give it to PG-13. Damn, damn, dude. They apparently should have cut out. Should have cut out a little more, and then we wouldn't have a movie. <laughs> Fairly, like a whole 
hour 45. Apparently there are four minutes of additional cut footage that are not even shown on the unrated DVD. So if you, if you're out there and you have your hands on these, I got to see them. I will pay good money for this, this unseen. Footage. By the way, this is, this is the point where I'd like to point out. I knew nothing about this movie going in. I okay. didn't even know who was in it. Uh, matter of fact, when they originally was pitched, I thought it was hollow man. <laughs> he did. Yeah, you I was were like, okay, you thought we were Kevin, doing Kevin Bacon. Yeah. yeah, I was like, Kevin Bacon, let's do it. Um, Nick Cage objects to criticism of this film. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nick Cage objected to the criticism that the film was unintentionally funny, saying that he and the director knowingly made the picture as an absurdist black comedy and that it should be seen and oh. judged as such. Okay. Oh, no, no. Nick Cage pushed no, back no, on you motherfuckers, and I'm with him. I think this is art. That explains his performance. I don't think he talked to the director about that, though. Um, well, he claims he did. He claims he did. <laughs> a lot of one-sided conversations with the director. <laughs> all right, everyone on this chat, all three of us, raise your hand if you have a Best Actor Award from the Academy. Nick Cates <laughs> does, so I trust him, okay? I trust his vision. Yeah. I trust his performance. I trust his, uh, his interpretation of this movie, of this remake. I just, I, I don't you understand what the You know what I don't is. trust? I don't trust Nicolas Cage to play any role where he has to run. Him running is it's not so a great run. Yeah. goofy looking. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's the opposite of, of of Tom Cruise, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so I looked up other 2006 movies from Tony Medley, and the one I decided on was, was Beer Fest. He rated oh, Beer Fest. I love that movie. I love Beer Fest. I think it's hilarious. One of the funniest lines in that movie is when he tells a story about having the paddle shoved up his ass sideways. He says, I've been shitting pancakes ever since. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great joke. So this is this is the entire review of Beer Fest. Zero out of ten. I hate to spend any more time on this over and above the time I spent driving to the screening, sitting through it, and driving home. When we arrived for the screening, I asked the running time and was told 80 minutes, so I got excited. Unfortunately, like Bogey and Casablanca, I was misinformed. It went on and on and on. I'm not even going to try to relate the plot. It is so insipid. Satire is one thing. Stupidity is something else again. I didn't think I could see anything this stupid that didn't have Will Ferrell in it. I was mistaken. Beer Fest wow. makes Talladega Nights well, look like Hamlet. Wow. Even the, even the occasional big bosom, bare breasted babe didn't add any enticement. Uh, no, I, li I like I was like I, I like that you guys tried, but sorry. Yeah. Even that can't help it. How can I describe this? Picture yourself watching beer commercials. Now picture yourself watching all the jerks in the beer commercials while they live their lives over an entire movie. Now picture that movie lasting around one hour, 45 minutes. Now picture yourself still alive with a still fully functioning brain after enduring that agony. If you can picture the last, you believe in miracles. I can't remember a year when there have been as many horrible movies. Beer Fest is a poster child for them. Tony Medley, not a fan of Beer Fest. <laughs> I'm mad though. I'm mad they didn't screen this for critics because I want to know what Tony Medley has to say about it. Yeah, me too. There's no way he likes the feminism, right? Oh no, he might think it's a good movie. <laughs> like, yeah, see, I told you. Gotta watch out for these feminists. Um, okay, so what are we gonna Well, I guess we're at the phobe phobe or file. Um, Amin? No, you know already know what it is, man. <laughs> This, okay, Jupiter Ascending was worse. 
but this was a very close second place. Really? Yes. Yeah. Kangaroo Jack 2 was better than this. Worse plot than knowing? Um, yes. Okay. Maze? All right, this is, this is extremely tough for me. The unrated DVD alternate ending scene by itself is a file. I love it so much. You bitches! You bitches! This is murder! Murder! You'll all be guilty! And you're doing it for nothing! Killing me won't bring back your goddamn honey! But I know it will. watching crushed me i could not i was waiting for it all movie for this this payoff and then it's just voiceover and i felt like they skipped it i'm like what and i lost my shit and so now this is a phobe because this was the version that he decided to release in theaters like you said he's going for the pg-13 all right that makes sense but this scene is the perfect climax for the movie. It's the most important part, <laughs> in my opinion. And he cut it. <laughs> it. Can't do that. All right, now I know I've been very positive trying to spin this movie, uh, but I am going to be objective here and and review it as a whole uh, when it comes to phobe or file. And you guys make very compelling cases for phobe. Um, it's, I mean, look, am I going to sit here and try to convince you guys that this is a file? course i am this is a fucking file guys this is a great fucking watch it's a great watch if you get the un- unrated version it's even better no, that deleted scene brings everything together nick cage's no. action is ass off it's a black comedy like i'm in on every single stylistic decision in this remake it's better than the original it's got more depth I'm all for every message that's in there. I think all these loose ends get tied up for the most part. You're all for the, misog- you're all for, up for the misogyny, huh? I'm for the I'm for the female empowerment in the movie. I don't I don't believe the misogyny is necessarily the bad here. Guys. Are they bad guys, I mean? Oh no. We lost to me. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the perfect way to end this podcast. Thank you for subscribing to Patreon. Thank you for subscribing to all of our uh, Count the Dings podcasts. Uh, we will be back next week with a movie of a means choice. I'm going to guess it's not Nick Cage.
Don't forget, live show October 12th. We still have a few tickets left. We're going to uh, we're going to sell this out pretty soon. Uh, we may even sell this out by the time August gets here. If you want to go, October 12th, San Francisco at the Independent. We're all going to be there. Light Years guy is going to be there. Marcus Thompson's going to be there. Ethan Strauss, Tom Haverstrow, Mino Hassan, Big Waz, Trevon Edwards, uh, Mariano, Anthony Mays, Nitz, Eden Liu, myself, my parents will be there. Everyone you want to see there will be there. So go to the live show. Tickets at countthedings.com. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.